The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link, alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Uh, James going to be continuing your ranking dilemmas series, looking at prospects in the 51 to 75 range on your overall top 400. Real quick, before we get into prospects, I just want to say I want to thank everybody who voted for us. Uh, there is a podcast tournament bracket going on right now, and the overall pod got through to the Sweet 16. This specific portion of the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball podcast, this prospect podcast, didn't quite get there, but I was really, you know, taken aback a little bit by how much support we got in a head-to-head matchup against Rates and Barrels. Yeah, I mean, I'm not super surprised that we we lost to Rates and Barrels. Love, you know, and DBR. They do a really good job there, and it's certainly a, a podcast with a wider reach than just a prospect specific pod so uh no no hard feelings at all uh, i think it's a really cool bracket and i honestly was just kind of pumped that we got a five seed to begin with 
to, to go yeah. along with that one seed for the original one. Yeah, and thanks to everybody who voted not only for our pod, but the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast at large. We snuck through by one vote, man. Buzzer beater. And um, Chris Welsh, you know, I I know he wanted that win. And um, well, he's a great guy. So, I, you know, he at least, I think, you know, he got a lot of support and realized that he's got a big backing in his corner as well. Yeah, I, I felt Welsh got kind of uh, jobbed with that seeding of the nine yeah. seed for him. I mean, I, I thought he should have been up closer to, uh, you know, the five seed range, uh, where our pod, pod was. So tough, tough matchup for him, but yeah, hell of a showing and, um, congrats to all the pods that advanced, um, this past round. Yeah, it's fun at baseball pods on Twitter. I think this guy's name is Chris. Yes. His name is Chris, uh, baseball hyphen pods.com is his website. Uh, just a big fan of podcasts and recaps them and tweets them out and just supports them. So, uh, thank him for setting this up and thank all of you for your votes. That's really just really cool to see that people actually, you know, care enough to take a little second of their day to vote. That's pretty cool. And, um, yeah, congrats to Eno and DVR. Very well deserved W there, but I'm pumped that we at least, uh, as a unit, collective unit, got into the Sweet 16. James, what uh, what's on your mind, man? It's new in your world. I haven't seen you face to face in a while. Oh, not not much. Uh, I we have a we have a patio at our apartment, um, so was enjoying that yesterday it was was a really nice day here in Madison, Wisconsin, before uh, the rain came today. But um, yeah, just been trying to not go crazy, but it's. Uh, it's a dark time in the world right now. It is, man. I've been trying to stay, I don't know, try to stay off my phone when I'm at, you know, when I'm not like on work hours, just try to put it away. It's hard though, um, but I try to distract myself and still trying to do the yoga thing. I've been seeing some progress already with, um, have you heard of like knee droppers? That's what the DDP calls sometimes in Dallas Page. Um <laughs> Basically, you're in a lunge, and then you drop the your back leg, the one that's like slanted backwards. You drop that one down to the ground and back up. It's not that hard, but I kind of needed a little, you know, I wanted some support initially because I thought I was going to fall over. Uh, but I can do that now without any support, so that's kind of nice. I also think I saw the future, James, a little bit last night. I started playing this game called Dreams. And what Dreams is is basically a set of tools to create your own video game. <laughs> Um, but it's a social network, kind of like you know, like any social media platform. But people share their creations on this thing, and so you can go quote unquote dream surfing and go around and see all these people's creations. Kind of go just jump around. I was playing a baseball like home run derby one that somebody created. Um, it's pretty amazing just how intuitive. Like I was just doing tutorials on how it works, but I feel like. I don't know. I feel like I saw the future last night a little bit, uh, but not else new with me. What do you think of this Arizona plan, James? This Arizona bubble plan that that we keep hearing about. Uh, I'm pretty pessimistic about that working. Um, I just I think uh, it would be pretty crazy to me for us to go from where we are right now to uh, in a couple months. Uh, them resuming some sort of sporting 
play even without fans and even with it all being in the same state. Uh, I mean, I think Arizona's behind where like places like New York City are in terms of the pandemic. So I don't like it, even if it, they think it's doable there right now, it, it might not look doable at all there in even like three weeks and just so many complicating factors. Like how do you keep everyone away from not only, you know, just people like people and their families. I, I don't know. I, I don't really want to get too into it, uh, but I am pessimistic. Yeah. I think I saw like Eric Sogard's wife tweeting like, I don't, you're not taking away my, my child's father for four months. Like, I don't know. It's just going to be a lot of um, issues and, you know, family internal conflicts within families. Like, I don't want you to leave, but I'm sure there's a lot of pressure on these players to, to play. It's a tough spot. Um, yeah, hopefully we get some baseball, but I'm leaning. I don't know. I'm starting to come to terms with what I feel like is probably reality. Um, sad times. But at least on this show, we can look forward multiple years in advance. And this is more of a dynasty-focused show anyway, obviously. So um want to get into your article, James, looking at your prospects in the 51 to 75 range. And this is continuing a Farm Futures series you've been doing going through and kind of looking at how your thinking has evolved on certain players throughout the last six months or so. And we'll start at the 51 spot. Josh Lowe up quite a bit, 181 to 56. What did you see in Josh Lowe that kind of led you to think, man, I'm, I'm too low on this guy? Well, he had a he had a red-hot run to close out the season. He went to the Arizona Fall League, and I thought he looked incredible. In the AFL, I just from a, a physical standpoint, he is six four, just super athletic, uh, easy plus speed, easy plus raw power. Um, it's going to be a pretty good defensive center fielder, and he started hitting for, uh, you know, he wasn't hitting over three hundred, but he hit like two seventy seven over his uh, final seventy or so games last year. He's always walked at a pretty high clip. Uh, strikeouts have been an issue for him at times, but, um, you know, I just, I think the power and the speed and the defensive value he'll bring to the table, uh, should be enough to get him uh, at least, I would say a strong side of a platoon. You know, you never know with the Rays. I mean, now they've got a bunch of guys capable of playing center field, Randy Arizarena, Manuel Margot, uh, Kevin Kiermaier, obviously still under contract. Uh, but Kiermaier was only worth one and a half wins last year. I know he's under contract through 2022, but I think Lowe's just a more dynamic player. He's got a higher ceiling. Uh, I think the fact that he bats left-handed is certainly going to work in his favor in that organization. So I, I really think over a full season, Lowe could be a 30-steal guy who also hits 20-plus homers. So that's that's a rare player, even if he only hits 250 to go with that. Uh, so I I just love the power speed and the defensive utility with Lowe and just how close he is to the big leagues. Yeah, that's pretty nice. I I look at Kiermaier, and I feel like they've made it pretty clear that they want to just dump him if they can. That's easier said than done, but I feel like he is not long for that team. Right, um, right. Yeah, I think they wanted to uh, – I'm sure he came up in those talks they had with the Cardinals uh, – I wouldn't be surprised if they attached one of their kind of 
mid-tier prospects to him to get off of that salary. Uh, they just they have a lot of options, but at the end of the day, Josh Lowe is going to be dirt cheap for them for at least three years, uh, and I think that that'll help in his favor as well. I, I just think he's got a higher ceiling uh, than Kiermaier. Kiermaier probably a little bit past his defensive peak as well, so better to get the, the younger guy in there. It's not quite as much of a jump. It's very uh, significant jump, though, for Luis Angel Acuna. 143 on your top 400 back in October, then to 78 on January 1st, then to 52 at the time of this publication, uh, this article. I've been in your ear a little bit, just kind of at the very basic, you know, very <laughs> surface-level uh, prospect analysis that, hey, this is... Uh, Ronald Jr.'s uh, brother, so bloodlines, baby. But there's obviously a deeper reason for you bumping him up. No, it's it's really just to keep you happy. Uh, it's really just to satisfy the host of the pod. You know, I mean, you were um, <laughs> you were uh, you were higher than any prospect ranker on Vlad uh, Jr. prior to well, his sort of great. breakout. Of- I know, no, I know. I'm just saying, like you know, I, yeah, I know. Some, sometimes these things don't have to be overly complicated, you know. Yeah, really good hit tool related to Ronald Acuna. Really good speed, you know. Really not up the middle defender. 4D chess here. <laughs> yeah, it's when Ronald Acuna's younger brother does what Luis Angel did in the DSL. Uh, I think we can fairly get excited about that. Um, yeah, very I feel like people very sometimes do overthink things, so maybe it's not a bad point to make. Like I just. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not rocket science here. We're, you know, it is obviously hard to evaluate, but when you got a, when you got a older brother like that, and you know, you've had a little success already. Yeah, where would where would we put if Mike Trout had a younger brother and he did that in right. the DSL, or Christian Yelich had a younger brother and he did that in the DSL? Like, I think we would be pretty excited. I think we can be excited with Luis Angel and. I just don't know what like what would be the case against Acuna other than the fact that he's super young and the fact that he wasn't a seven-figure guy on July 2 uh, a couple years ago. There's not really a, a evaluating him as a baseball player reason to, to be pessimistic about him. So I, I just think um, it's, a, it's a good fantasy game. It's a good real-life game. T- TBD where he ends up defensively, but... Uh, I'd be excited if I had a share of Acuna in a dynasty league right yeah, now. Yeah, in a dynasty league, that's like a blue chip stock. Like that's one you want. Um, I'm pretty excited, but know that my love is very <laughs> basic, surface level, um, you know, stuff. Like it's just bloodlines. But I uh, having your backing makes me feel a little better about my Luis on Hell love. Uh, Brendan Rogers of Colorado. We've known him for a long time. Now he's been hanging around. Still prospect eligible. He hasn't moved much over the winter, but I think he is probably one of the bigger, I guess maybe non-obvious. It's pretty obvious anyway, but um, he's a guy who really benefits from the delayed season because it did not look like he'd be anywhere close to ready on opening day. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think he he mildly benefits, but I think he was far enough down the depth chart at, at most of their positions. I mean, I, I just enough. don't think it was going to be a good, uh, a year for Brendan Rogers really. Anyway, they, they still have guys like Garrett Hampson with nowhere to play. So, um, 
I think it's going to take, they're, they're going to really need to turn over some pieces, like get rid of Ian Desmond, get rid of Daniel Murphy, uh, to open up a spot for, uh, Brendan Rogers. He, you know, he hasn't, you say he hasn't moved much, uh, over the off season since January of 2018, he has been no higher than like 20th for me and no lower than 75th. And that may seem like a wide range, but over the span of two full se- two full years, two plus years, for a guy to just be languishing in that sort of 20 to 70 range, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of uh, a rarity on prospect lists for a guy to just sort of just be in that middle zone and never really getting higher but also never really falling out of it that's just where he's been yeah definitely that's that's interesting he uh i don't know i I know a lot of people liked him as like an end game dart and maybe they can obviously there's all that talk about moving arenado maybe they trade somebody but man i don't know it's not a guy i'm really excited about at this point we'll see about him hunter bishop next on the list he's um he's fallen actually a little bit you do go on to caution that you may be too low on Hunter Bishop. Why do you think this 54 ranking could come back to bite you a little bit? Yeah. So all the players I picked for this week's uh, prospects that I was, that I might be too low on. It's all, it's four guys where I can just, I think the ceiling is clear as day. Like it's, it's very easy to get uh, enraptured with the, the ceiling of a guy like Hunter Bishop um, chance for 70 grade power with plus speed. That's just, that's a top five prospect right there. If it comes with an above average hit tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Hunter Bishop, we just don't know, <clears throat> you know, could be, could be a guy that just doesn't hit enough period to be a big leaguer and also could be a guy that hits enough to be a superstar. So this is a range where it seems like a, a few guys ended up for me where it's like, I, I can't rank them super low because I, I see the ceiling, but I also am not willing to go sort of all in on them being like top 30, top 40 prospects because I also see how low the floor is. And O'Neill Cruz of the Pirates in that same boat. Um, I saw him on the field, I think, just in the spring training game. I think that was what it was. And he just looks the part a little bit, O'Neill Cruz. He's just a big dude. Um power I, I like what i'm seeing but i i actually even took him i think in our auto new league uh i don't know why i think it just was my last dollar threw him out there but i i see that you're you know pumping the brakes a little bit on o'neill cruz uh even lower on him than hunter bishop and uh, i guess i'm wondering what uh you're just not a, a believer really at all and in, in things panning out you see the upside but you're you're thinking the probability of him reaching that upside is pretty low well, I just – I wouldn't even say that. I I just am very uh, – I'm just kind of wishy-washy on him. Like I just don't – I don't feel confident at all about him either reaching his ceiling or not reaching his ceiling because it's just such a unique player. Uh, like, I've rarely had to consider ranking a six foot seven player or a six foot seven position player in my top 100. Um, it just doesn't happen very often. I – well, let me let me throw this at you. If if all I told you about a position player was their height, would you rather have a five foot nine hitter or a six foot seven hitter? Probably the five nine hitter. 
I mean, six like seven how low, is so I, that strike yeah. zone's just huge. I mean, and, how short would we have to go before you chose six foot seven? <laughs> like, would we have to go like five seven, yeah, five that's six? A good like, point. The guy is um, massive. So I, I just, I know it's you know people probably want me to just plant my flag and say I believe in O'Neill Cruz or I think O'Neill Cruz is going to bust. Uh, I wouldn't really quibble with anyone ranking him from like anywhere from like 20 to 120. Like I really think you could rank him anywhere in there. And because it's just the, the ceiling is just really, really high if he makes enough contact because his, his exit velocities hint at 80 grade power. It's just, it's kind of that simple and it's easy to see why, like, you know, all of the guys that are his height who have worked out over the past like 30, 40 years, they've all been just prodigious power hitters. Uh, so, that's the reason for for ranking him high. He'll also probably chip in ten to fifteen steals if he if he hits enough to to be an everyday guy. Uh, but then there's also just the fact that you know if he was gonna be really exposed uh, in terms of not being able to make enough contact and you know how big his strike zone is, I think it would happen at at AAA or the majors, and we just haven't seen him face that type of competition yet, so we just we just don't know. So I, yeah. you have to rank him somewhere, and this is the spot that felt right, but I acknowledge I, I could be too low. Yeah, I am a little higher, but I it's also just seeing him um, be kind of head and shoulders above a ton of guys. That's not a good thing necessarily, though, as you point out. I will say, you mentioned the hard hit numbers for O'Neill Cruz, and we do have minor league batted ball numbers on the site, roadwire.com. It's good to see he has pretty good you know, hit distribution. He's not super pull heavy, 37.8 <clears throat> pull percentage, center um, 39.4%, then oppo 22.8. So those extreme pull guys, along with the Ks, worry me. But it looks like he's not an extreme yeah, yeah. pull hitter. For sure. Um, and I wasn't, when I said his exit velocities, I, I didn't necessarily mean the hard hit rate that yeah. we have on the site. Um, I meant like sort of his max exit velos. Sure, like that's. Yeah. Um, the hard hit rate's okay, you know, 29.9, but I think yeah. the soft contact rate is really more impressive. Only 15.7. A lot of medium yeah. and hard contact between those those three levels. And I know that his, his max exit velos are what have teams really excited. That's that's pretty cool. Um, I got to jump back a little bit further up the list again because Maximo Acosta goes from not ranked to one fourteen on January first, then fifty eight. So this is like a monumental rise for Maximo Acosta. What has fueled this rise for him? <clears throat> so when I wrote his uh, note for the site, like when he signed on July two, I said that he was a five foot nine, hundred forty five pound. Uh, defense-oriented shortstop. He's since, I mean, that was the data that we had uh, when he signed on July 2. But since then, uh, he's played in the Tricky League, and he was, I don't know if it was an official height and weight, but uh, six foot one, 170 pounds. So this is just a case of a guy growing roughly four inches since he committed to sign with the Rangers. Jeez, and man. so that's just <laughs> it just completely changes the profile right like yeah. when you know if, if he's if he's five foot nine hundred forty five pounds well that's why he wasn't ranked uh yeah. what fueled the rise literally a four inch growth spurt uh, <laughs> right, from right. a 17 year old kid yeah yeah so that's that's it's pretty easy with with acosta that's pretty interesting i 
you know, we talk about these kids and it's like, yeah, they're still, still so young. Their body's still changing. They can completely alter their skill set one way or the other, um, depending on how they, they continue to develop. And at that age, they're still developing so much. Um, Continuing on, James, Edward Cabrera, now 59, Grayson Rodriguez, 60, O'Neill Cruz, who we talked about, Trevor Larnock, he's been a little bit of a you know, up and then back a little bit down, so he's kind of just hanging out in that range. Uh, Alec Thomas, a little bit of a faller, not a huge faller, but why has he dipped a little bit since last offseason? I mean, I think that was just sort of off-season calibration of the rankings. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, going from 43 to 63, it's just it's not a big not a big difference when you factor in just the amount of hours I've spent on the rankings since then. Now, George Kirby, I did a couple, you know, staff keeper league drafts and he was a guy I ended up with in a couple just because he seemed like he was well, everybody's drafting off your rankings for one. Um and then all the, you know, top hitters would go, Luis Angel would go. And then Kirby would be the top arm available, and I'd end up jumping him up a little bit and grabbing him. And he's been rising for you, not a ton, but about you know forty spots since since the end of last season. Kirby, you know, it's is it about the upside with him? Is is there that upside you see, or is it more about you know this is a number three guy who's going to be fine? Uh, <clears throat> I think he's just. Well, first of all, he's got my favorite delivery, probably, of any pitching prospect in baseball. Um, I think he's got the best command of any good pitching prospect in baseball. And I think that if you have 80-grade command or 70-grade command and you have a mid-90s fastball and four pitches that are all average or better, a couple that could be plus – I think that that command grade will allow you to basically be a frontline starter. Uh, it's just like I've said, I've said this before. I think he's Kyle Hendricks with velocity basically. Mm-hmm. So um, if you gave Kyle Hendricks a 95 mile an hour fastball, um, he'd, be, he'd be pretty, pretty darn pretty good. Nice. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Another arm here who's right behind George Kirby, Alec Manoa. I see he's now ahead of Nick Lodolo. That kind of hurts. But big guy, I remember when the Blue Jays took him, I thought he just kind of looked like uh, an ace starter. Not necessarily an ace, but like a workhorse starter, you know, big-bodied guy. Um, You like him a little bit less than Kirby, but he's also been a big riser, Alec Manoa. Uh, anything in particular you noticed that kind of swung you to raise him up? Um, he's, I've just heard really good things about how he looked in camp this spring. And, uh, he, the, the change up seems to be emerging as a legitimate out pitch. And he already had that upper nineties fastball hammer breaking ball. So give him a change up and, I, I've started to kind of come around on him as a strike thrower as well. That was, you know, he was a big, uh, not a pop-up guy, but just a big riser of draft boards uh, the year that he was drafted because he was throwing uh, a lot more strikes than he had in the past. And uh, I, I'm, I've kind of come around on him actually being a pretty good strike thrower. Despite he's a big guy, I mean, he he gets those 
CC Sabathia, Aaron Harang type of body comps. Um, but I just, I'm kind of, I was sort of on the fence about whether or not I thought he would be a, a big time starter or maybe just a, a high whip starter or a late inning reliever. I've, I've really kind of come around on the idea of him being uh, a frontline starter eventually. So uh, Manoa hasn't had a ton of experience as a pro, obviously getting drafted, drafted last year, but I think he probably gets assigned to high A, uh, probably gets to double A pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I've kind of, kind of jumped with two feet in on, on Manoa uh, because of the changeup. Uh, the improvements he's made with his changeup and the fact that I'm, I'm kind of buying in on him being a strike thrower. It's pretty exciting if you're a Blue Jays fan or if you own Alec Manoa in a dynasty league. Uh, yeah, so him and Nate Pearson probably heading up that staff for a while. Who, who's kind of behind those guys? Like, who did you say a couple years down the road, assuming good health for Pearson and uh, Manoa, who would you say is their kind of ideal number three guy? Long oh well, I mean it's it's definitely Simeon Woods Richardson. He Woods he Richardson. barely he barely missed the cut uh, on this article, so he'll be in he'll be in next week's article. Uh, they they honestly have one of my favorite um, minor league pitching depth in in the majors. You go Pearson, Manoa, Woods Richardson, and then Adam Klofenstein and Kendall Williams are, are two guys that I that I really like as uh, you know maybe they're number threes, but really all five of those guys have at least number two starter upside. So um, I think there's going to be brighter days ahead for the Blue Jays, uh, certainly. Yeah, I was thinking of somebody else, uh, but Woods Richardson, I know you're high on. Um, I forget the guy in RDI that I have to drop still. Oh, Eric Pardinho? No. Uh, um, maybe starts with an A? Anthony K. Yes, that's who it is. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like two months ago, you're like, he should probably find a home on the waiver wire. Um, so I was going to move him to my minor league spot. Still have yet to do that. But um, yeah, that's pretty exciting if you're a Blue Jays fan. Hopefully a couple years down the road, they're legit a contender. Luis Matos, you know, he actually rose quite a bit. Then you, you brought him back down. Was that kind of a recalibration, as you said earlier? Uh, Not necessarily so i man i i really like luis matos the problem is i've just got there's there's conflicting reports out there i I didn't see him at all i've never seen him live um i've seen uh people say he's an above average runner i've seen people say he's a plus runner i guess i kind of assumed um just based on body type uh reports before last season and his success rate on the on the base pass that he was probably at least a plus runner maybe a 70 grade runner um so i just i'm kind of i I want some speed times on him uh home to first i just i'm not sure how fast he is uh he has the body that you would associate with a, a speedster and he's had a lot of success stealing bases uh i'm i'm pretty confident in the bat though um so just unsure whether he's a, a future 20 steel guy, a future 15 steel guy, or a future 30 plus steel guy. I mean, that, that's kind of the thing that I'm unsure about with Matos. 
Very nice. I, I swear, I looked at his name, and the first thing I saw was Matt Latos, and then I was like, wait. Um, for some reason, somebody was talking about Matt Latos the other day, and I'd for- completely forgotten about him. Uh, what a terrible trade for the Reds that was. Uh, Abraham Toro, kind of just hanging around the same range. Brandon Marsh has risen a little bit. Nothing too notable, though. Helio Ramos has fallen a fair amount. Um, you did bump him back up after a big initial decline, kind of after the mag process. But um, I know some people are really high on on Helio Ramos. You're you're not so much. Um, I didn't I didn't walk away super impressed uh, from the Arizona Fall League seeing him there. Um, so that's that's part of the reason why you know he, he I had him ranked thirtieth before the AFL, and then there's some recalibration going in there too. Uh, just kind of one of those guys where I, I, I think there might not end up being a, well, so when he was first drafted, he, he was a guy that was supposed to be a power speed guy. And I think the power is legit. I don't think it's going to be like 40 homer power or anything crazy like that. Um, the speed is kind of what I'm pretty iffy on with him I, I think it plays well in the outfield but i'm not sure it's going to play uh as, as a stolen base guy so you know maybe he's a guy that hits like 270 with 25 homers in that park um but there's there's room for a little bit more than that um but yeah he's another guy where i'm not super confident on where I have him, as you can tell by how he's moved around a little bit. But um, the stolen base aspect is is kind of what led me when I when I did his write up for the magazine. I sort of realized, yeah, this is probably more of like a four category guy. Very interesting. Nick Madrigal, we talked about at the end of last week's show about being a pretty significant faller for you. You go on to caution that you may still be too high on him. I know. I think our friend uh, Bubba was tweeting about that that it was gonna shake things <laughs> shake up baseball twitter didn't quite do that but um nick madrigal you know you're just kind of really pumping the brakes and throwing some cold wa- water on him not only for 2020 but long term yeah i so I, I thought i think i did a good job of laying it out in the article but you know i i, met, I think i mentioned this maybe on last week's like farm friday or something but uh, this is a case where just the redraft season really uh, kind of straightened me out a little bit on where I had Nick Madrigal because I just I had him as high as 25 at one point and I just didn't want anything to do with him in redraft leagues even though I thought he was going to spend almost the entire season in the big leagues. Uh, you know, when you – like his ceiling, I think I, I still believe in his upside as a guy that could hit 315 – 90 runs, 20 plus steals. Uh, like, I still think that's his ceiling. But let's say he, you know, he's he's been hitting for really high averages uh, at every step. But big league defenders are, are better at turning ground balls into outs than, than minor league defenders and college defenders, obviously. So let's just say that he only hits like 285 or 290. Uh, at that point, maybe he doesn't lead off for the White Sox and then maybe he's only a two category guy and he's no longer an elite like two category guy. He's just like a pretty good two category guy. Um, you know, then it's just kind of like, well, you know, if I'm only, if I'm really falling behind in home runs, RBI and runs like that's just 
that an appealing player to me. So I, um, I just I don't think you're going to have buy or sellers remorse if you trade Nick Madrigal or if you pass on Nick Madrigal in a redraft league. You might regret it, but I don't. I think you'll get over it in a hurry. Yeah, and Brendan McKay's in a similar boat too. So, um, yeah, he's kind of fallen, but you also say you may still be too high on Brendan McKay. I was pretty excited when he got the call up last year. It wasn't that great, but I still thought you know this guy's got a ton of pedigree. The playing both ways thing we've kind of scrapped. I think the Rays have as well, uh, so we're not really considering that in the equation. But you just don't see what you quite what you saw in McKay at this time, you know, last fall. Yeah, you know, he just we we often see left-handed pitchers that maybe don't have elite stuff still put up crazy numbers in the minors if, if they've got good command or they got a bunch of pitches and sometimes those guys just really don't put it together uh against big league hitters where the margin for error is just so thin and you know mckay doesn't even like people that are highest on mckay uh you'll see some people say he's got a plus fastball plus cutter maybe but even like I, I've, I've seen people say that he doesn't have a single plus pitch it didn't seem like he had a plus pitch in his in his brief stint in the majors. Yeah, he did not and, look great the few times I watched him. Although he did have one where he had a really high like game score. Uh, mm-hmm. but the times I watched, it was not that exciting. Yeah, I mean, his command is going to have to be plus, I think, or maybe even better um, for him to be like a number two starter just because he doesn't have the typical arsenal. Like, it's more quantity over quality in terms of his pitches, so... Uh, when guys like that, so he already kind of struggled in his, in his cup of coffee. If he struggles again, like say the Rays give him like a string of like six or eight starts and then he gets bumped again from the rotation and, and he struggles. Then I think you have a problem on your hands if you have him in a dynasty league, because I think his value would really crater at that point. Uh, people just aren't very forgiving with pitchers who aren't getting results and, that's even the case in dynasty leagues. You know, if you, you got a big league pitcher that was a highly touted prospect and he just stinks uh, in his first 15, 20 starts, I mean, it's tough to get much for that guy. So I, I think that that's a legit possibility with McKay where he just doesn't have uh, the type of success that we were expecting, uh, just given how much he dominated at double and triple A last year. Man, yeah, I. Uh... I remember I got him a tout head-to-head last year, and I was like, this guy is going to put me over the hump. <laughs> Did not quite work out that way, but uh, we'll see about him. I got a few shares in redraft, but you're right. Like On that team, if, it, if there were a prolonged stretch of struggles, they would not hesitate. You know, I think he'd probably have a shorter leash there than he'd have pretty much anywhere um, as a starter. Anything else prospect-related on your mind before we make uh, today's hip-hop draft picks, James? Um, this has just been a really fun series. I, I hope people are enjoying it. I've been, it's resulted in some legit movement on my rankings. Like the more, I mean, I'm sure there are people out there that are like, why is he adjusting his rankings? Like nothing's even happened. Um, but it, it's just natural. Like the more you think about this stuff and I, I tried to construct this in a way where it really makes me think about it. And the more like I think about each player, it's just, inevitable that i'm just gonna end up adjusting my rankings and 
yeah, I hope that they are better than ever um, as a result of this series. I've been loving it. Looking forward to talking again next week and talking some Lodolo. You and I have to sit down and chat about about uh, Nick Lodolo's ranking. But, yeah, I, I think it's good, too, because um, it's good to keep an open mind and be willing to alter things as you discover new evidence and learn new things. Keep turning over stones and... You know, you don't want to be dug in. You want to be able to, you know, as you learn more information, tweak your rankings. So I think it's uh, you're doing good work, James. This is the best set of prospect rankings in the business. Uh, is am I the one up today first in the hip hop draft? Yeah, because I. Um, oh wait, um, I took Dre last week, didn't I? Oh yeah, I think it is me because. You took somebody, then I was surprised Dre was still available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took Q-tip over Dre, yep. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, so I've been looking at the team, and this is all about roster building and filling some holes. I'm looking at the 1980s, and that's not my wheelhouse, James. It's really not. So I'm looking there, and I feel like if I got shut out on this play, on this hip-hop artist... I may be scrambling a little bit to fill those spots. So I'm going to take Slick Rick. The Great Adventures of Slick Rick came out in 88, I believe. So uh, I've got a couple of really good East Coast guys locked in. I need to fill that at least one of those 80 spots. And I think Slick Rick's the guy because beyond him, um, there's not too many of my favorites that come out of the 80s. And you have Rakim, obviously. Rakim. Yeah, I already I already have Rakim and Chuck D, so yeah, you were going to be uh, definitely scrambling. Um, not surprised. I mean, I, you didn't even have to say his name, and as soon as you said 80s, I knew you were going with Rick the Ruler. So, yeah. uh, he really actually fell pick. a little bit fa- farther than I thought. I thought I'd take him a little bit higher, but I uh, didn't need to. You gave him a you gave him a draft day promise of, of coming off the board, Um uh, in the yeah. month of March, I think, and you, you reneged. Before spring training ended, yeah. <laughs> so the spring training never technically, you know, concluded. Uh, it just was postponed indefinitely. So uh, technically I drafted Slick before the season got underway. <laughs> so. um, my pick this week is is I'm going to be attacking a uh, position that I am – I just do not have a deep list of guys at, and that's the West Coast. Uh you took Tupac in the third round and there just aren't a ton of West coast guys that I would be super pumped to have uh, as a part of my team. Um, I think it dries up there in a bit of a hurry. I'm going to go with ice cube here in the eighth nice. round. I think that he, uh, you know, he hasn't put out really any meaningful or relevant music in over a decade, but, uh, what he did from late eighties with NWA into the mid nineties, I think stands the test of time really holds up nice, solid run of prime years and And the West coast connection. Good albums. Yeah. West coast connection. Um, so yeah, ice cube, uh, song. I'm going to go with, you know how we do it off of lethal injection, I believe. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to only need to fill two more of those West Coast spots. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Now, for my song, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I think I used this for the collabs. 
But this playlist is shaping up to be really strong, and I want this song to be on it. So I'm going to go with Street Talking. And since I have Big Boy on my team, too, it kind of fits perfectly because um, Slick Rick and Big Boy, I remember this was right when Slick Rick, shortly after he got out of jail, um, and the video is just hilarious. It's it's an amazing video. I highly recommend checking out the Street Talking official video featuring Outkast. Again, it's a repeat from the collabs playlist, but I, I love this song. It's one of my favorites of all time. Nice. That's very fitting. <laughs> well, James, always a pleasure to talk with you, man. And we'll be doing XM. XM has opened up free streaming, and we're back to two hours. So uh, Farm Friday still going down. We'll still be talking on Saturday. We'll probably have some guests this week. Oh, and yeah, if, if, anyone, uh, if anyone has any ideas for how – they want us to fill uh, those hours on the XM show. I'm sure there's some crossover listenership. If you want to hit me up on yeah, Twitter and DM means, me, please do. Uh, <laughs> totally up for any kind of ideas. They can be they can be pretty wacky if you if you have anything. Yeah, you know i I've had fun doing our, our various drafts of things, and we'll probably continue to do that here and there. But I, I can't do that like every show. So please, if you have some. Uh, ideas help us out we'll brainstorm a little bit try to give you some content you enjoy but james always fun man take care dude uh be well hope you and the family are well and uh appreciate all you listening we'll catch you next week on the rotowire prospect podcast Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.